0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Muscle Intelligence Podcast. Hopefully this new audio recording device is working out for you. I'm actually sitting outside here in um, Mexico, Playa del Carmen, Mexico, and I grabbed a new microphone. So hopefully it's not so bad. And if you guys hear some birds chirping or some construction in the background, is because as I said, I'm outside. I thought I'd start today with a story. And it's a story about me and, and the relevance to you is significant. And so yesterday, I went for a massage first time, maybe the second time in five or six years since I retired as a professional bodybuilder. And when I was a professional bodybuilder, I was very much, let's say, um, self-centered. I was, I was a big priority. My body was my life. My body was my livelihood. So obviously, I made huge sacrifices and huge investments into my body. So for me to do one or two massages a week was not uncommon. And um, after retiring from prof- professional bodybuilding, I shifted my focus a lot toward my family, my children, and my business. And um, I just kind of deprioritized all of the things that I quote, unquote, selfishly did during my career because I've had so much time committed to myself as a bodybuilder. I almost felt some type of guilt when I would invest in myself after bodybuilding, right? Whether that even be time, right? Because I know that when I was competing, it was five to six hours a day, just committed to the physical craft, movement, cardio, mobility, yoga. Uh, massage, all of that, right? On top of that, there's the, the food. And on top of that is the meal prep, and on top of that, spending time with my family and growing my business. And so, when I left bodybuilding, I took this mindset of, you know, martyrdom. I, like I'm not going to commit any time and, and attention to myself. I'm going to put everyone else before me, including my business, including my family. And I think a lot of guys get stuck in this, and then what happens is similar. To what happened to me yesterday. I go to this massage person and I'm like, yeah, let me do, let me do a 90-minute massage. I haven't done one in years. Let's check this out. And it felt like this lady was touching someone else's body. I've always known my body to feel a very particular way. I had very healthy tissue. I'm a very healthy guy. I take good care of myself. I hydrate well. I move well. I stretch well. I breathe well. I do all the check all the boxes, right? And I hadn't had massage in a very long time. And when she touched my back, I was like, well, what is this? It felt so foreign to me because I was so used to when someone massaged my back in the past, obviously I had a bunch of muscle that I don't have now, um, but my tissue quality was so high when I was a body, but my body was so responsive. She would touch it or, you know, a misanotherapeutic would touch my body, my body would adapt, it would respond. This time I literally felt like she was going over rocks in, in my back and I was like, what is this? Like, what is the tissue that's happening? And I don't tell you this story because you care about my back, but the relevance of it is... The neglect that sometimes happens as an adult, putting other things ab- above yourself. And so I just deprioritized my tissue quality. I deprioritized my movement. I'm always still trained you know, almost every day. Um, it just wasn't the top priority for me. And I noticed, you know, kind of like a, the frog getting into room temperature water and eventually, you know, it warms up and warms up and it, you know, it boils to death. I think a lot of men are guilty of this. Is we put things, we take things for granted. You know, I was always an athlete. Um, I always had great tissue quality. in My body was very, very responsive to whatever I asked it to do. And I just assumed it was always going to be like that, right? I think a lot of pro athletes experience this too, where we just can always eat whatever we want and we never have to worry about it. And then all of a sudden the pro athletes or the pro sports stops and all of a sudden, gosh, we start getting fat. And I think a lot of men experience this and is a lot of men walk around over, over fat is because we are so used to just, Doing whatever we want. It's like, oh, I don't have to worry about that. I can eat what I want, drink what I want, I'm good. And that catches up. And so I, I would like to use my learning opportunity as an opportunity to share with you guys, uh, just an awareness around making your body a top priority. And I think a lot of guys get stuck in putting everyone else before them, and they can relate to that, and especially your family. And, and listen, there's nothing inherently wrong with prioritizing your family, but there is something inherently wrong with deprioritizing yourself. I think a lot of guys have this badge of honor, like, oh, I'm going to do everything for everyone else first. And maybe women do too. I don't know. I can't speak for women. But there's definitely something to be said for you need to show up for yourself first because you're no good when you're unhealthy. You're no good when you can't move. You can't play with your kids. You can't run. You can't jump. You can't have the energy for two. You know, we call this a hero has the energy for more than just himself or herself, right? A hero has the energy for two and more. And so, how do you become a hero to your kids? How do you become a hero to your partner? How do you become a hero to yourself? Well, it's first by making sure you take care of yourself. It's like put your own mask on first, right? So, gents, ladies, stop neglecting yourself. Start scheduling high priority time for you. And I'll talk today about the, in this podcast, about what those high priority leverages items are when it comes to longevity. So, today's podcast is specifically around longevity for men. And uh, I know longevity for men has kind of a, uh, Double edged sword. A lot of guys think, I don't want to worry about longevity. I just want to be strong. I'm going to be, do this when I'm here. But guys, one of the problems in society right now is that young men and young girls don't have leadership, right? The, the absence of a masculine role model in way too many families. Uh, this I think this is a big concern or a big reason why our our society seems to be struggling in many ways as far as. The younger generations with the absence of direction with the absence of leadership the absence of a good role model and so the success of our future generations depends on men who to who commit in them to themselves and stick around for a long time right i want to be here to teach my son and my daughter i want to be here to teach their children I want to be here to lead hopefully my grandkids and teach them the wisdom that I've worked tirelessly to accumulate in my 41 years and hopefully 81 years and maybe even more. And um, guys, there's no glory in working hard and dying young, right? There's no glory. There's, There's glory in working really hard and taking care of your stuff, taking care of your body, taking care of your mind, taking care of your heart your emotions, um, and and checking all the boxes. Today's podcast is brought to you by our friends over at Heroic. By wielding technology for good through an innovative app called Heroic, they are ultimately helping you move from theory to practice to mastery. My good friend Brian Johnson and the entire Heroic team are helping people just like you and me step into the highest versions of ourselves and uh as i said i've been using heroic or a version of heroic since about 2006 and uh originally started as philosopher's notes optimized and now it's heroic and and heroic really represents the hero's journey it's starting from wherever you are now and becoming the hero of your story and that means showing up for yourself first showing up for your partner and your family and then ultimately eventually showing up for your community and your tribe and Doing that means growth. Doing that means education. Doing that means practice. Doing that means putting high-impact habits into place. Brian's going to help you optimize habits and productivity, sleep, nutrition, and fitness, creativity and learning, willpower, and goal-setting. It's an incredible resource that I highly suggest you check out. Go over to muscleintelligence.com heroic. That's H-E-R-O-I-C. and Use the code MUSCLE and you'll get 20% off the first year. Ladies and gents, I give you my word, you will not regret it. Take some time to to spend about five or ten minutes with the app when you start, because I've had a few clients say, "Hey, this part of the app isn't exciting for me." But there is so many levels of the app that you should definitely check out muscleintelligence.com slash heroic. As you can probably hear from the tone of my lectures, the tone of my my podcasts, provided you listen, if you do listen, there's been this shift from exclusively like hard, what we call hardcore muscle building. To really this holistic approach to building muscle in a healthy way, in an intelligent way, being lean, healthy and muscular. And now it kind of, it's kind of bridging into, well, why do I want those things? Because ultimately I want to live a great life that's vibrant, vital, healthy. And ultimately my body is something that supports an adventure and never hinders my life. So for me, what, what are the things I want to be able to do when I'm 50, 60, 70, 80 and what do I have to do to make sure that I can do those things, right? Because if there's ever a time in your life, if you guys have ever experienced this, you know what I'm talking about. If there's ever a time in your life when you want to do something, but you can't. That's very disempowering, isn't it? It's like you feel uh, trapped. You're like, I can't, can't do this, can't do that. Either whether it's Whether for money or parents or whatever whatever circumstance, you feel trapped. And I hate the idea of feeling trapped. I, I love the idea of having freedom, right? I want to be able to do what I want to do when I want to do it, if I want to do it if that means running, jumping, playing, whatever, jujitsu, fighting, I want to be able to do those things. I want my body to support that. And so training is not only about looking good, being strong, being muscular, but it's also about having this body that ultimately carries me through an adventure. And I think most people at some point land there, right? We want to look great. We don't ever think about what we can't do until we can't do it, right? When we're young, we think about everything we can do. Like, I can do anything. And I was the same way until literally a year ago. I could do anything uh, until like... My Achilles started to hurt. Now I can't really run and really limited my leg training. And now my shoulder hurt. My shoulder is not hurt. It pops out of socket, which is way worse. All these things start coming up with like, okay, you don't realize what you can't do until you can't do it. And then it becomes your, your primary focus. Like I want to improve this. So where I'm going with this is what muscle intelligence is really evolving into. It's like, yes, we're the best in the world teaching people how to build muscle. But it's a problem that I've solved thousands and thousands and thousands of times over again. Like there's not a human in the world that I don't think I can build muscle for. I mean, that's what I do. It's what I'm good at. But it's also like I'm not studying it anymore because I feel like I got this down. What am I studying? So what am I studying is something I'll share with you guys. I'm really studying health optimization and longevity, right? What does it look like to, yes, build muscle? And then where does that intersect with longevity? That's really what I'm thinking about, right? So you guys may or may not be thinking about longevity yet, but ultimately longevity is like I want to live healthy. And and I want to have... So if we think of longevity as two aspects, it's duration. And then it's health span, right? It's like, I want to live long, but I want to live like well. So that's really what I'm spending most of my time focused on is like, what are those metrics that allow us to like ensure our health and our performance is not degrading ever, right? I want my health and performance to stay consistent or at least go up. One of the two, right? That's really what I'm thinking about. And that's really what the directions business is. There shouldn't be any restrictions, right? Physically or mentally, because ultimately like I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I'm not a big fan of restrictions. (laughs) The irony of the circumstance of the world right now. I'm not a big fan of not being able to do things, right? So as we build up this program, it's like, okay, what what does health optimization look like? And where does that overlap with performance and muscle? That's really what what muscle intelligence is about. So I thought I would share with you a few things that I've been kind of thinking about. So if I were to say to you guys, that if your objective is muscle building and longevity not necessarily maximum muscle building but from a perspective of like what are the foundational things every single one of you should and must one be able to know believe and and be able to do to optimize for longevity there's we call it like foundational human needs maybe foundational human requirements there's a small number of things that if you, if you you know how to do these and you understand these principles your life will be better and i don't put any of these on this list that don't belong in this list. Because sometimes when I'm talking, I'm sure some of you guys zero in on specific things that are relevant to you right now, and maybe forget about other things that aren't important to you right now. Just because something isn't important to you right now doesn't mean it's not important. And maybe if it's not important to you right now, it's because again, it's not caused a problem yet. But if you made it better, the question for you is, would it be better? Would your life be better? Example, breathing, meditation, walking. Sounds like old people work, right? But it's absolutely not. It's it's probably th- certainly the three most important things we do as humans, I would say. As I walk through this list for you guys, I'd be curious to hear your feedback, positive or negative, uh, any comments. If you think I've missed anything, which is very possible, this, this list is very new. I'm literally writing this content out today. So I thought I would share this with you guys and look for feedback and questions and comments. The top of the list, and I've already said this, you have to breathe well and you have to have con- conscious control over your diaphragm. If you're taking notes, write that down. Conscious control of your diaphragm, not just the ability to breathe. It's like, I need to be able to control what my diaphragm does to its extremes. So it's to its full inhalation, to its full exhalation. And I guarantee 98% of people cannot do that. Full inhalation, full exhalation. So full exhalation means that the diaphragm is literally up underneath the rib cage, right? So what you don't see me doing is this. Up underneath the rib cage, diaphragm comes up on exhalation, goes down on inhalation right? So if I inhale, it's like a balloon. Do you have the full ability to use your diaphragm? And I would say 98 to 98% of people this called can't. And here's why that's a problem. Your diaphragm is influencing not only aerobic function and carbon dioxide tolerance, which is huge to mental and physical performance, but it's also massively implicated in biomechanics. So how you move. And if breathing is the most functional thing we do as humans, the single most functional thing we do as humans, if your breathing is dysfunctional, every single thing you do after on top of that is dysfunctional. Therefore, if you're, if you're limited in your ability to breathe, you're limiting your top-end performance. You're limiting your ability to, to squat, deadlift, run, jump, play, all of it. So if you don't have amazing stability and control through your, your trunk and spine, um, you're not going to perform well. You're not going to perform at your peak, we'll say, right? So you're leaving uh, room, room on the, you know, I don't know, some, you're leaving something on the table, we'll say. So I would say prioritize the ability to consciously control your diaphragm. So the diaphragm is a muscle. And this literally requires resistance, right? And resistance can happen with time, as you guys know, or it can happen with obviously load. So think that through time, maybe range of motion is the second one, which is usually distance, but time in nature is a big one. And I think as humans, we've got away from just like being connected to Mother Nature and and it sounds woo or you know, whatever, like like I'm a hippie, but there there's enormous benefits. Enormous benefits to Putting your feet in the ground, putting your feet in the water, connecting with the nature in some way, literally physically connecting with nature or receiving the sun or the fresh air, you're constantly breathing in indoor environments, you're constantly exposed to indoor light, your health will not be optimized. Your body's ability to produce energy will not be optimized. So if you guys break down every single thing you do, every single thing you do to the one single most important factor there's only one. The single most important factor that no one could ever refute is energy production in everything you do. The ability for your nervous system to function, the ability for your brain to function, the ability for your muscles to contract, all of it, right? Produce hormones, all of it comes down to energy production and the rate of energy production per unit time. So, if we know that the earth and the sun and the light massively implicate in how your body produces energy per unit time. Maybe you'll think about making it a priority, right? So have, has anyone ever felt the absence of energy? Has anyone ever felt the absence of focus or maybe the, the, the request for more energy, right? So if we all had an abundance of energy and maybe energy to spare. Nothing in life would be challenging, would it? Cause we would just have enough energy to do it. We, we would constantly be, we be accomplishing our goals. Aspiring for new things. We would never have anything in life. like, oh, I got energy. Let's go. Let's go do it. So energy is always your limiting factor. It's your limiting factor in producing hormones, your limiting factor in producing neurotransmitters, your limiting factor in recovery between workouts, et cetera, et cetera. And if you guys have the modern day luxury, we'll say of, of having a desk job, which is an absolute modern day gift to be able to sit at home and make money. It's a gift. Cause because ultimately a lot of us who work on farms and factories. It's true. You know, first world problems. Get yourself a grounding mat. Commit to being outside for at least an hour a day, ideally three. Um, just getting your feet and in, in like find a park, literally walk through a park. So if you're ever going for a walk, there's a park nearby, make a point to go through the park. It's an enormous, there's actually a lot of data on how much, it, excuse me, a difference I can make. Okay? So I won't beat a dead horse, but you guys get the picture. So the next one, which which is in perfect alignment was was energy production. So that was on the same line. So we have to pay attention to well, how is my body producing energy? And so if you've ever experienced any symptoms, I've talked about how energy production is a lot. So energy comes from food. We all know that. Energy doesn't just come from food. Energy ultimately comes from the transfer of electrons, right? Transfer of electrons in the body. Positive and negative charge electrons. So we have protons. We have ultimately electrons, right? So we want to make sure that our body has an abundance of negative charge. Right. So this polarity, positive and negative charge, we want to always make sure you have enough negative charge, which is the electrons. And that can come from our water. That can come from our food. That can come from movement. That can come from nature. So these are the things you guys ultimately want to do to maintain this negative charge. If you're interested in understanding the negative charge, if you guys, if there's some nerds around us that want to dig a little bit deeper, a few things I'd suggest for you. Dr. Gerald Pollock has a book about the fourth phase of water. That's definitely worth a read. Uh, there's another book called uh, Healing is Voltage. I forget the author, but I told you guys about it a few weeks back. Those two books are phenomenal. I would definitely read those. Healing is Voltage is a very, very uh, thick book, but it's incredible. It's a great, great book. Uh, fourth Phase of Water. I've also done a podcast with Dr. Joe Pollock many years ago, talking about how how ultimately every energy, or sorry, every cell has a negative charge, every cell in the body. And as we lose the negative charge, we lose energy. As we lose energy, we move closer to cancer, or we move closer to the inability to move. So if you guys think of like, you know, you talk about like chakras and chi and things like this is the flow of energy. It's literally the flow of electrons, right? Are electrons able to flow freely through the body or do they get stuck in certain places and not be able to flow, right? So that can come from the absence of negative charge. That can also come from the absence of movement So, obviously, you guys can hopefully see a correlation there. If I move, I create more negative charge. If I move, I can get things flowing through my body. If I'm sitting on my ass, I lose the negative charge, and then I can't produce energy. So, my body starts to lose this flow of energy, right? That's why they talk about movement and breathing and all these things that simply move chi, move energy, right? Move blood. Another one I said here was blood flow. So, it also ties into the next one, which is creating space. So, remember, I'm talking about the things that you guys must be doing to optimize for longevity. Daily create blood flow. That's movement, right? Movement creates blood flow. Changes in temperature create blood flow. Yeah, warm, cold creates blood flow. What else creates blood flow? Sex creates blood flow, right? Getting excited about things creates blood flow. Um, find things to create blood flow. Uh, so the one of the terms I have to use, and it's actually the next point, is create space. And this is this is an important thing as well. Create space in your life. Literally, like clear your space. Create space in your mind, which means don't always have a busy mind. And then create space in your muscles and your joints. Because as, as we get older, we're fighting against gravity. We're fighting against these compressive forces of gravity, right? The joints are getting tighter. The muscles are getting tighter. We're developing more collagenous, fibrotic tissue. But it doesn't move as well. Create more space in your muscles. Create more space in your joints. Um, okay, so you guys know I, I'm the movement guy, right? So move well is the next one. Like, So it's not just move, right? So here's my three-step progression to like optimize movement. First step is just do it, right? doesn't matter what it looks like, you got to do, right? Then you got to do with intentionality, right? And we, we could say do well. So we'll do well, sorry, do, then do well with intentionality, which means I'm going to think about what I'm doing. I'm going to do it on purpose, right? Do, do well on purpose, which means first, I'm just going to go for a walk, Second, I'm going to start walking well. I'm going to start thinking about how am I doing this? Can I do it better? Can I be more present in the way that I walk? That's intentionality. And the third one is work hard, right? Do well. And then you put them all together, right? So it's do, do well with intentionality, and then do well with intentionality and work hard. And it has to be in that order. Because if you if you put the work hard part in the beginning, you're going to hurt yourself. You're going to you're going to limit yourself, right? So if you don't lay the foundation, think of the pyramid, right? If you don't lay the foundation of the pyramid strong, the top of the pyramid will always suffer. So always lay a strong foundation of of moving well. So what does move well look like? Here's, Here's what I would suggest you guys do. Take every joint in your body through its entire excursion every day. Your shoulder, your hip, your ankle, your knee, your foot, your hand, right? Your spine, all of it. And try to spend time at the ends of the range meaning if I can twist to my left and I can go this far, I'm just going to hang out there. Maybe I do a breath. I'm going further every time, right? And I can I spend time at the ends of those range. So I'm teaching my body that it's comfortable and safe to go there because if you don't use it, you lose it. So move well, right? Move well. And that's like, why do I want to move well? Why is it so important? Just as I said earlier, the walls are closing in around you every day unless you're doing it on purpose to push them away, right? What does that mean? Literally, like proverbially, the walls are closing around you. shit's getting tighter. Your ability to breathe gets tighter. If you don't use it, you lose it. Your ability to, the range of motion is getting smaller. Ability to think gets smaller because we're getting boxed into our fear. You guys have to do your best to push fear and restriction away. So this is another one. That's an extension of what I just said. Create the capacity to work hard. Now, you guys may have heard me say something along the lines of you're not fit enough to transform. Has anyone ever heard me say that? Most people I meet aren't fit enough to transform. And that sounds really interesting. But the reality is, if you can't do something hard, you can't transform, right? It just simply won't happen. It's going to be a very, very uphill battle. So what you should be doing is first aim to do one single thing hard. I don't care what it is. A bicycle is a really good idea because it's repetitive. It's non-impact. Learn to work really, really hard on one thing and then slowly start to add to that. Maybe instead of a bicycle, then I go to a stepmill, and then I go to an elliptical, and then I go to a rower, and then I go to a squat, and then I go to a run. You know, like I'm sort of the more things I can do well and hard, the more effective I am at changing my body and living an adventure. Right. But you gotta start somewhere. So the, the benefit of working hard is massive as far as cardiovascular function, as far as recovery, as far as energy utilization and fat burning and all those things, right? You got to work hard. I don't care what it looks like. My suggestion is don't make it things that are going to hurt you, right? Don't make it running. Don't make it squatting yet for most of you guys, right? Eventually you can work hard all those things. You're going to be in shape. You're going to be really, really good. But the less you do or the less often you do them, the more those walls are going to close in around you and that your ability to work hard is going to become less and less and less. So find something that you can work hard at and do it often. Staying on the the path of longevity, I thought it would would be neglectful if I didn't talk about nutrition for longevity, because there's a lot of conflicting information around protein and longevity, right? Some people think that, oh, protein is going to kill you. You need protein to build muscle. And the answer is both, right? The unfortunate answer is it's never clear. It's never black and white. The answer is always nuanced. The more I study protein synthesis and mTOR and M-E-M-P-K, which are the signal signaling pathways for people who don't know, and hormone optimization and cellular optimization, um, the more you realize that there's no there's no right answer, right? The The answer has to be somewhere in like what works best for you right now based on your goals and your circumstance. So I'll give you a few prints. When I teach nutrition, I like to teach principles, right? So what's a nutrition principle? Well, when it comes to protein specifically, if your objective is building and retaining muscle, you're going to have to eat protein. You're probably going to have to eat somewhere between 0.8 to one gram per pound consistently. But if you do that every day, it seems like you may be accelerating aging. So what do we have to do to slow down aging? Well why do, why does protein accelerate aging? Because it seems like cells have a certain number of divisions. So every time you make a cell replicate or a cell divide, then it's aging. It's it's moving along in the aging process. And after a certain age, cells no longer replace themselves. We just kind of fizzle out, right? It seems as though there's probably some things that we need to be doing to make sure that we're not allowing the cellular aging process to just to catch up with us. So my suggestion is Pay attention to inflammation and oxidative stress. So inflammation and oxidative stress seem to be negative amplifiers of aging. So inflammation is anything that's going to ultimately cause the body to be inflamed, which is inflammatory foods typically. And oxidative stress is, is the stress that happens from ultimately overtraining, under-recovering, under uh, eating poor foods, or not eating the right foods that ultimately have antioxidants in them, right? So even these carnivore people who have switched into the fruit, adding the fruit in, the reason they did that is because of the antioxidants in the fruit and the sugar is also beneficial to prevent muscle breakdown. So again, I could talk. Oh, I guess I'll keep going a little bit on nutrition. Um, so I said protein, let's talk fats. So fats are really interesting because everyone's got a, an opinion, right? So how many people think saturated fat is bad? Seriously. Okay. Most people would say yes. The the reality is, it seems, that saturated fat is in no way bad until you mix it with sugar or carbohydrate. So apparently it's completely inert in the body as far as its negative implications. Until this the body, until there's any sugar present as well. And then it causes this almost instant. Uh, glycation or caramelization of the body. So if you're eating saturated fat, maybe in a ketogenic state, it may not have the same negative implications as eating like bacon and pancakes for breakfast, right? Which is where all that research originally came from. Because the people who typically have a, high, a diet high in saturated fat are also eating pancakes and, and four pounds of syrup for their breakfast, right, with their, with their bacon. So that, that's where a lot of that research came from. That's not to say that saturated fat might not put up your cholesterol. It, it very well might. But... There's no no reason why anyone should think cholesterol is bad. Again, it's important to know. Cholesterol in here is not inherently bad. There's nothing inherently wrong with cholesterol. And it's important to know, 90% of the cholesterol that you have in your body, I think it's actually more than 90%. Some people say it's 100%. It is produced in your body. Some people say it's somewhere between zero and 10% of the cholesterol you eat actually gets used by the body or, or turns into cholesterol in the body. Does that make sense? So the body doesn't actually actually utilize the dietary cholesterol we consume. Again, there, this is, this is the research item is out on this. So somewhere between zero and 10% of the, of the cholesterol we consume actually turns into cholesterol in the body. I don't know. I'm not a bio biochemist, um, but this is just me reading the research. Somewhere between zero and 10% of the, of the, let's say it differently. Of the cholesterol you have in your body currently, somewhere between 0 and 10% comes from food. Everything else is produced in your body. And, and the production of cholesterol is 100% genetic. So the one rule that I would say everyone agrees on, everyone agrees on when it comes to fats, is polyunsaturated fats are terrible for you. Eliminate polyunsaturated fats. Poof us completely. Most of your fats should be coming from monounsaturated fats. Some of it can be coming from omega-3s, which there's still some subjective evidence there saying omega-3s might not be great for you. And saturated fats. So the research on on omega-3s is interesting because there's this whole industry around omega-3s, isn't there? Like omega-3s are are ubiquitously healthy. But some scientists pushing back, saying it's marketing, saying that omega-3s are actually, you guys probably have heard this stuff, are like so fast to oxidize that if it's not. Cold water fish, no, it has to be a cold. Yeah, if, it, if it's like not eaten, almost like fresh, right out of the water, it's it's oxidized. Therefore, it's causing stress in the body. So, it's interesting. So, I guess the one ubiquitous thing, as I said, is eliminate polyunsaturated fat, which is basically omega six, which is all these um, seed oils, vegetable oils, canola, grapeseed, sunflower, sunflower, soy, corn, all these basic shit oils they use in restaurants. Carbohydrates. I'm not anti-carbohydrate. I don't think I ever have been. The way carbohydrates need to be used is as a tool, right? So when it comes to longevity, I'm trying to teach you guys principles to think through. Yeah. What, what is, what is accurate? And I would say carbohydrates are a demand only circumstance. Okay. So another thing on the nutrition front, when to eat and when to fast. So if my objective is I want to build muscle and I want I I don't want to shorten my life, right? I want to have great heart health. I want to have great body health, mind health. It is my suggestion. If you're under the age of 30, I don't think you need to fast. I think your body's always in an anabolic state. You're good. Once you pass 30, 35, 40, I think fasting is certainly the single greatest cellular reset that exists. There's nothing better we that we can do to reset the body, right? So if you're sick, if you're depleted, if you're injured, if you're inflamed, the, the single greatest cellular reset we have, second, I mean, sleep would be second, is fasting. Now, are you going to lose muscle? The answer is maybe, and here's why. If you're really effective at burning fat for fuel at rest, then you won't lose muscle. So you guys have heard me talk about this. In any one moment, every minute of the day, right now, you're burning some percentage of, of energy from fat and some percentage of energy from carb. The better you get at burning energy from fat while you're resting, the, be- the more likely you can just fast and not lose muscle, right? If you're a heavy carbohydrate burner, then when you run into carbohydrate stores, your body starts burning muscle. So you have to make sure that you're fit enough to fast. Interesting. Fit enough to fast. Meaning my cortisol is, is managed. My insulin is managed. My aerobic fitness is optimized. My stress levels are in check right? Sleep is good. If all those things are out of whack and you're fasting, you're going to lose muscle. Here's an important thing to know. Food, specifically carbohydrates, but all food, is the greatest lever we have against stress. That's why people stress eat. Because when you're stressed and you eat, it makes the stress go away. Because insulin and cortisol are inversely proportional. So, as cortisol is up and I drive up insulin, cortisol goes down temporarily. So, it's important to know that. If you're stressed in any way, fasting may not be the best way for you to maintain muscle. you probably end up losing more muscle than fat. Because ultimately, it's just, it's just a dance, right? It's like, I want to I put myself in a state to lose, lose fat and no muscle. How do I do that? You could take some growth hormone and growth hormone peptides. That'll maintain all your muscle while you're fasting. Or you can train your body to be more effective at burning fat for fuel at rest.